Today is Palm Sunday. It is a day that we get to celebrate the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. When palm branches were placed in his path before his arrest on Holy Thursday and his crucifixion on Good Friday. Palm Sunday marks the beginning of Holy Week. Early Christians used the palm branch to symbolize the victory of the faithful over enemies of the soul. As in the Palm Sunday festival celebrating the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. There is much during Holy Week that we as Christians should ponder and celebrate. For this is the week that encapsulates the purpose of Jesus' earthly ministry. His primary purpose will be fulfilled during Holy Week. On Thursday, he will be arrested, and on Friday, he will be crucified. And Sunday, we will celebrate his resurrection. But today, we will primarily focus on his triumphal entry into Jerusalem and the meaning behind his death. So now let us take a moment and go to Mark chapter 11 and starting in verse 1. We are about to see the fulfillment of the prophecy which was given by Zechariah. It was a major turning point in that Jesus was publicly hailed with acclamation appropriate for the Messiah. His, he, his decision to ride into Jerusalem on a colt so as to create a processional and in order to fulfill the prophecy given by Zechariah. So let's take a moment now and look at Mark chapter 11, starting with verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this, tell him. The Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside the street, tied at the doorway. And as they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered, as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming of the kingdom of our father David! Hosanna in the highest! Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. As Jesus approached Jerusalem, there were many people there, and they honored Jesus in two ways. First, they spread out their cloaks, or fresh-cut fresh palm branches, from the field to make a carpet for him to ride on. Second, they formed a processional in front and behind him, and shouted words of praise and acclamation, which was an allusion to Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26, which is in context of Jesus' entry into the city. It is a shout of acclamation. In this moment of time, Jesus brings to fulfillment what Zechariah prophesied in the Old Testament. What a glorious day for the church and for the kingdom of God. For the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords entered into Jerusalem triumphantly. 
And as we know, this week was going to be one filled with trouble, suffering, and death for Jesus. What seemed to be a time of victory for the enemies of Jesus was not a time of victory for them at all. In reality, it was a time of restoration for all people who are willing to come to the cross and acknowledge Him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the King and Lord of their lives. We know that Jesus experienced a lot of pain, suffering, and agony during this time as it was le- He was leading to the cross. We know that He suffered to, at the hands of Pilate, and he suffered at the hands of the people around him. We know that he was tortured. We know that he was spat upon. We know that he was reviled and that he was judged. That people even hollered, If you are the Messiah, take yourself down from the cross. Why was everything that was happening during Holy Week necessary? Why did Jesus need to die on the cross? What does it symbolize? And why was it necessary? Let us take a moment and go to Romans chapter 6 to learn a little bit more about this. And as Jesus went through interrogations and as the people who were trying to have him put to death were trying to get Jesus to confess some kind of wrongdoing, which he never did, he had charges brought against him that were false and had no substance to them whatsoever. Yet they charged him anyhow. Jesus certainly did not deserve to die or suffer the things that he bore at the cross. And you might ask yourself, if Jesus was the Messiah and the Son of God, why did he have to go through all of this trouble? We can see the reason that Jesus chose to suffer on our half by going to Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. And as we're going there, we will learn real quickly the reason Jesus chose to go to the cross. Because it was a choice that he made. He wasn't forced to go to the cross. He chose to. Romans 6.23 tells us why. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, he went to the cross because the wages of sin is death. And we must understand that it wasn't Jesus that sinned. It wasn't because of his sin. He never sinned. He went to the cross because of our sin. And we ask then, why did he have to die if he did not sin? The reason is, he laid his life down is because we sinned. And he chose to give his life as a cleansing sacrifice for our sins, both yours and mine. See, he bore the penalty for our sins so that we would have, so we would not have to. It was our sins that brought Jesus' death about. We are the ones that deserve to die because of sin. But Jesus took our place. He became the substitute for us. Because you know what? We had no way on our own and in our, of our own ability to be able to pay for our sins. Therefore, we would have had, we would have had to suffer an eternal penalty which would be eternal separation from God and eternal death. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It is a basic concept at its core. Sin is rebellion against God. God taught us how to live back in Genesis. God instructed Adam and Eve how to live. They were allowed to eat of any tree, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
You see, God wanted Adam and Eve, and He wants us also, to rely on Him, to trust in Him. Trust that He knew what was right and wrong, and what brings about happiness and joy, pleasure and satisfaction. But he gave them the choice to choose to trust him or to choose to find out themselves by eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, we know that they made the wrong choice. And they ate of the tree and brought about sin and destruction to all humanity. They wanted to decide for themselves how they should live. They chose not to obey God's instruction. That is a mistake that we still make today. We choose to live our way instead of God's way. We are guilty of sin too. We have chosen to do wrong so many times. We have chosen to eat of that tree. We have chosen to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil ourselves. God has told us not to do it, yet we do it. We have chosen evil over good. We bear the guilt of sin. And there is a penalty that must be paid because of our choice, because of our choices and that we chose to sin. We have rejected God. We did not care what God thinks. People don't want anybody telling them how to live. They want to live how they want to live. And they usually suffer the consequence because of their dis I'm sorry, they usually suffer the consequence because of their disobedience. You see, sin is rebellion against God. And we must call sin what it is. It is absolutely rebellion against God. It is disobedience against His good law. And our disobedience separates us from God. God is the giver of life and He is the sustainer of life. So in a sense, we have chosen death over life by disobeying God. And because of our disobedience, we all have experienced spiritual death. Separation from the one true God, the life-giving God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there are those who will try to justify what they do by calling sin something like a disease. For example, alcoholism, they call it a disease, instead of what it is. It's truly sin. It's truly a choice that they're making to rebel against God. Or to justify sin by minimizing the impact. For example, instead of calling it sin, we might say, we have issues. They're not issues, they're sin. We disobeyed God. So let us be honest with ourselves and stop deceiving ourselves. Let us call it what it is. It is sin. We must acknowledge that we are sinners. That is a key step in coming to the cross of Christ. We all know how we feel when we sin. We feel ashamed and we feel worthless. We feel ashamed because we cannot face God. And we've been cut off from God because of our sins. But let us take a moment and go to Romans 3 and verse 23. And what does it say? It tells us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no one who was born on this earth, aside from Jesus Christ, there is no one who was born on this earth who lived a perfect life without sin from the day they were born until the day they died. We have all sinned. We have all rejected God. 
We have rejected God and His law, and the penalty for that rejection is death. This is the situation that the world finds itself. It finds itself cut off from God. God could have chosen to let us live lives separated for all eternity from Him. But He is a loving and forgiving and merciful God. And He's chosen to give us a way to escape the penalty for our sins by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, in the form of a human being, to come down to this earth to pay the price for our sins. We rejoice because God intervened in our lives. He came to restore our relationship with Him, a relationship that was broken because of sin. But now because of Jesus Christ, it can be restored. He took our place and paid our sin for us, our sin debt for us. Let us take a moment and go to Romans chapter 5. This is a passage that eloquently explains the meaning behind Jesus' death on the cross. And out of the gracious mercy of our loving God, listen to what Paul teaches us in Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 6. You see, at just the right time, not too early, not too late, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, we were hopeless without, the, without Jesus. We were powerless without Him. And while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still separated from Him, while we were still disobedient to Him, He died for us. You see, we were helpless. We could not fix the situation on our own. It was a death penalty that was upon our shoulders, and we were going to have to pay it. It was God who took the first step. He paid the death penalty for us. Jesus, God in flesh, fully man, fully God, died on the cross to pay our sin debt. Romans 5.9 says, since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. There is no longer a, uh, a canyon between God and man. That gap has been bridged through Jesus Christ. Jesus' death was credited to each and every one of us that we might have eternal life in Him. There is no sin too great that Jesus hasn't that Jesus' death hasn't paid for it already. He paid for every sin of every man who ever existed or ever will exist. Our sin debt is paid. It has been paid in full. 
And if we choose to believe him and accept this truth, we can have eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, through his bloodshed, through the bloodshed of Jesus Christ our Lord. We have been justified by his blood. We were going to one day face a judge who was going to find us guilty, and we could not do anything about it. We had no recourse because we know we sinned. God knew we sinned. We could say, what could we say other than, I am guilty? But because Jesus' death on the cross, we will be found not guilty because of his mercy and grace. Because of him bearing the weight of our sins on the cross, we are found righteous in the eyes of God. We are found innocent of all charges brought against us. There is no need for us to bear the weight of our sins. There's no need for us to carry these sins on our shoulders any longer. He has provided the way to escape for us. It is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ at the cross that we have been set free. He paid the penalty of sin that we would have to pay if he didn't die. He took the wrath of God upon himself so that we can be found not guilty by his shed blood at the cross. It is by his blood that we can proclaim not guilty. You see, we have been saved already from the penalty of our sins. We are being saved as we live this current life by the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. And we shall be saved at the final judgment day when we stand before God to answer for what we have done while living on this earth. The final verdict on our behalf as believers will be not guilty. You see, Jesus did not just come and die a death on the cross, but he has been resurrected, and we will learn more about this next week. He has been raised back to life. You see, we serve a risen king. He is alive and will reign for all eternity as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. There is none greater than he, and he is our high priest. He intercedes to the Father on our behalf. He is our advocate and loves us with an everlasting love. You see, our salvation, it is an ongoing thing. We were not just saved one time when he died on the cross. Our salvation is ongoing because we still sin from time to time. And because of this, he will intercede to the Father on our behalf when that happens. Our salvation has bearing on how we should be living as well. We should not continue in sin any longer. We have been freed from it. We have been freed from the weight of sin. It no longer has any power over us. We can and will overcome sin. We must keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. We must keep our eyes on Him and lean on the Spirit which is sealed in every believer. The same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in us. Therefore, we can and shall overcome sin. When we do sin, we will bring it to the cross and confess it to our Lord. He is faithful 
and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because of what Christ accomplished at the cross and during Holy Week, we have been set free from the burden of sin. Isn't that wonderful to know that we do not have that burden to carry any longer? And if we do sin, we confess it to the Lord and He forgives us. He takes it to the Father and intercedes on our behalf. Are you still living in the bondage of sin? Is the Spirit of God nudging you to come to the cross today? Do you want to be free from the weight of sin in your life? Will you come to the cross of Christ and confess that you are a sinner in need of a Savior? Are you willing to confess Jesus as the only way to salvation and the only way to be freed from sin? Are you willing to acknowledge Him as your God? If you are willing and have acknowledged Him, you are a believer and have been and are being and will be saved by the shedding, shedding of the blood of Christ Jesus on your behalf. You are now in relationship with Him. Continue to build that fellowship through prayer, daily walking with Him, and through the study of scriptures, and communication and fellowship with the body of Christ. God loves you, and the good work that He began in you, He will bring it to completion.